0: Heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice, whether you're just getting started or looking to grow. That's keepdreamingup.net.
1: Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic Pollster. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican Pollster. And each week, we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So... We just want to make a one quick announcement that next week we're going to have, I think we're going to have no
0: show next week. We're going to be out. We're taking a little bit of break. I, I may be doing an interview with a friend of the show. Yes. We're still working on Nailing a Time. So we hopefully have, there will be something, but for sure Margie will not be there. So yes, sad face. Yes. yes it well, may just be stuck with me. Well,
1: you know, there was once a time... When August, there were no polls (laughs) because people were on vacation and the pollsters said, too many polls. And you would say, look, I'll be around. You would tell your clients, look, I'll be here, but respondents won't be here. So it just makes sense to push this off. And um, But now with school starting at all kinds of crazy times and with people just wanting the polls whenever darn well please there are all kinds of polls so we have there's no shortage of polls this week there'll probably be no shortage of polls this week next week but we won't be here September we're gonna have some other cool interviews lined up but we will be back for sure both of us right after Labor Day so that is our brief announcement and to talk about some of the other incredible news from this past week Kristen's got the top lines and a very timely song Oh right, I forgot we changed the song. But this is always a timely
0: song. <laughs> I was gonna say like a close. Oh, it's all right. Eclipses that we're out. August twenty eighth is red wine week, <laughs> and or, pardon me. August twenty eighth is red wine day. In a shockingly relevant PR pitch, which we always love to reward because we don't get them very often. That's right. We have some polling about red versus white wine. But first. Trump's not the only politician with numbers in scary territory, but we'll talk a little bit about both Trump and some of his adversaries, how they are polling. Um, Tony Fabrizio, Trump's pollster, he's back posting some fresh data on the Twitters. We'll dig into some of the numbers that he is showing off and the various reactions to them. Friend of the show Harry Enton at 538 published a little bit of sleuthing about that kid rock poll we discussed skeptically a few weeks ago. We'll talk about what he found in his investigation. And then it's back to school time. We'll talk a little bit about what people are thinking about our education system, specifically colleges and universities.
1: So first, our poll of the week. Now, we've been talking about Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell had some polling numbers, Mitch versus Trump from Politico Morning Consul a couple weeks ago. There's some new polling, and this is from Kentucky, from PPP, and it showed You know, it made a lot of news because it showed his approval rating tough, some tough territory, 18% approve, 74% disapprove. Even among Trump voters, he was 26 approve, 66 disapprove. This is McConnell. These are, I mean, people in Washington are not typically popular regardless of – the, you know, <laughs> regardless of what's going on um but the, McConnell's numbers are pretty bad they're bad you know they're worse than Rand Paul's. I don't know if they're really related to what's been going on with Trump care or if they're just McConnell specific, but it is part of the sort of like McConnell and you see it with all the news that M- of McConnell in the news in terms of all the fighting he's doing with Trump he's not his public per- press persona is not about becoming like the juicy voter squeezing like Joe Biden type that's not really his thing and you see that in his polling numbers. What yeah, but you, you
0: can now buy uh apparel with Mitch McConnell's face like a print made out of his face. My mm-hmm. friend Shoshana at Senator Shoshana if like you are really craving like a Mitch McConnell printed tie. I am not. She's got you. <laughs> I wonder if you can get like a romper, like a, if you can get like a, a Mitch Mitch romper.
1: Yeah, what if I dress my children in that in their latest Tacoma Park <laughs> festival?
0: Um, I mean, that would be that would be nice. But you can see, you know, if you are a Kentucky voter who was apprehensive about Trump Care, uh, then you might not like Mitch McConnell because you didn't like that the Senate pushed it in the way that it did. And if you liked Trump Care, then you might not like Mitch McConnell because you're ticked off that it didn't pass. Right. So it's really this like no win scenario for um for a lot of politicians these days but you're seeing that in these pretty these grisly uh grisly numbers although this this does come from ppp so
1: ppp had some other fun polling out this week we'll talk about yeah um, who would you vote for jefferson davis or uh barack obama
0: people don't even know who i mean okay so that, that's
1: not, Thanks, not the poll. i we'll set that aside. Set that not...
0: aside for the moment. And uh,
1: you know, just so it's not, it's we're not just talking about McConnell. There are other um, politicians and leaders who uh, have gotten coverage over their polling numbers. And uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo in New York, um, I saw this big headline. It's like Cuomo is, you know, unpopular. You know, Cuomo's numbers take a dive because of the summer of hell on the <laughs> on the Metro. Like it was real. Like it was a real, you know, serious. Um, uh, serious headline and if you then actually look at the poll which was done by Quinnipiac his approval is fifty-two, thirty-one. it's not quite like scary territory it's not horrible
0: a lot of politicians nowadays would not mind having an approval rating of 52 percent, but if it's a big shift I mean it just goes to show that sure there are lots of voters who are very ideological and but at a certain point like you have to make the trains function and Right. Just basics have to work.
1: That's right, or else voters will bail. And then they asked some fun questions about whether Cuomo should run for president. Even though they think that he's a strong leader, um, most people did not think that he should run for president. Um, which, fifty-five percent said he should not run for president. Only fifty percent of Democrats he should run for president. And then the quote. Governor Andrew Cuomo is hurting in Albany and New Yorkers say he should forget about Washington spelled in the Andrew Dice Clay spelling of it. (laughs) That was the official Quinnipiac press release. So that seemed worth a mention.
0: (laughs) By the way, so speaking of, so Andrew Dice Clay is uh, somebody who, this is my, I've had a lot of not a friend of the show. Not a friend of the show. I've had a lot of like, Kristen is somewhat sheltered like revelations oh, did you not know week? who andrew dice clay was so when i watched entourage, there's a whole like season or two of entourage where andrew dice clay is a, a character oh, i didn't true. realize he was a real person uh. like a real comedian um this is in addition to by the way i did a poll this week on twitter uh margie do you know what a juggalo is yes i did not <laughs> i did not know what a juggalo was. Uh juggalo is I a I would say fan. I have like like
1: soft oh. ID of juggalo. I don't say like if you ask me a bunch of like traits about juggalos, whether I'd be able to answer them with a lot of confidence. But I can definitely like point out a juggalo from a lineup of other, you know, costumed people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, I could not have. And so I posed this question to my Twitter followers uh, with the following four point scale of I did not know until this week that, in, that what a juggalo was. Does that make me, A, completely normal? I think that was like 39% said completely normal. A little bit sheltered, 43%. Right. Uh, and then we wound up in down in the single digits for uh, uh, what was the options? Uh, let's see. It was completely normal, a little bit sheltered. Oh, living in a bubble or from another planet Mm. but like a grand total of about you know 20% of my followers thought either like lived on it like that I was crazy for not knowing that Mm. other thing I and right now I could not tell you if you said like if there was a gun to my head and it was like what is Twin Peaks all about I could not answer the question yeah (laughs) I have no idea yeah, I was, like, a little too young when, a re- like,
1: the OG Twin Peaks came out, so... I know
0: it's back. I know people are tweeting about it. There's nothing from any of those tweets that has in any way indicated to me what the show is about, and I've never Googled it, and I so I could not tell you.
1: It's like a small are town. Are there peaks, and
0: there are two of them?
1: Yeah, there's just, like, That's crazy, it. That's all I got. crazy times in a small town, I think, is the basic. <sighs> Sorry, we it. got
0: way off track there. In part because I'm stalling before we get to our usual segment. The Tr- weekend Trump. Tr- the weekend Trump. Well, you know. Job approval's not great. Average appro- is 38%. Yes. I Same guess. as it ever was. I mean, not really. It used to be hovering closer to 40. 38's not great. And there's been a, like a full rash
1: of polling coming out uh, in the last couple days that's trying to capture what's going on with Charlottesville, how people view the president, how people view views toward the monument uh, in the wake of Charlottesville. And it's not really that different from what we were t- talking about last week. Last week, I think we had three or four polls that came out immediately. The polls that have come out since then um, are not really that different. There's a Washington Post-ABC poll that shows a majority disapprove of how Trump handled um, uh, Charlottesville. Um They asked this question in the Washington Post-ABC poll, and this is, like, the question I was talking about a little bit last week. Like... You know, rather than get into kind of the mechanics of his, his comments and when they, you know, when were they, you know, what does it actually mean for Trump's views on race? And so you get a little bit more of that, but still I'm not 100% sure these questions capture it. But the um, the question is, in his comments on these events, do you think Trump has been putting neo-Nazis and white supremacists on equal standing with those who oppose them? Or has he not been doing that? I I don't know what that is asking exactly of respondents. Is it asking them to comment specifically on the many sides language or is it asking them to comment on like their vibe about how they feel Trump feels about white supremacy?
0: Yeah, there are with a lot of this, I think you can envision how it would be hard for a respondent to give answers or to feel pressure to give a right answer and like that kind of fouling up what some of the results look like, which in some ways makes it really astonishing that on this one question from the ABC Washington Post poll, it was, do you yourself think it's acceptable or unacceptable to hold neo-Nazi or white supremacist views? 9% said acceptable. Yeah, that's and, a lot of people.
1: And people started to really talk millions about this. Millions upon
0: millions of people. And I think
1: other polls found something similar, too. Like, there's also the favorability on neo-Nazis and white supremacy that a lot of um, outlets have asked. I think Reuters had something similar. I think even the Politico Morning Council had something similar. There are a couple different outlets that had something that gets at this, like, is it okay? Do you support? Do you have? Are you favorable? Et cetera. Towards some label of... White supremacy, and it's all mostly in single digits, but that single digit is still alarming to people and has made a lot of news. Mm-hmm. And so the question is: is that, you know, is that half full or half empty? Right. So
0: from from a polling, polling nerd perspective, here are the the things going on with that nine percent. First of all, one thing that I saw on Twitter, a couple people say is, well, you know, but then you've got that three percent margin of error, and from a, without going way too far down the statistics nerd rabbit hole, margin of error is is not the, even though we say plus or minus 3.1%, that's actually like the maximum margin of error at the 95% confidence level. Right. That the further you get from, the way it works is the closer your result is to 50-50, the larger the the margin of error actually is for that number. Like margin of error is is not just something for a whole poll, but it also like varies based on if I've got something where it's 95 to 5 and I've surveyed 1,000 registered voters, the margin of error on each of those numbers is not actually plus or minus 3.1%. It's a very it, – it, it's super weird and complicated, but all of which is to say margin of error shrinks the further you get to the extremes closest to either 0 or 100%. So that's thing number one. Thing number two is there were lots of people on Twitter saying, well, you can get 9% of people to say yes to anything in a poll. Like, right. So we shouldn't we shouldn't take this as 9% of people actually hold these views, but rather that any given poll, you're going to have a certain number of people confused about the answer options or who are just sort of saying yes to everything.
1: Or they're just sort of trolling the pollster. Trolling
0: the pollster. I mean, I had a a political science professor – at uf uh who one day long after i graduated told me that like he would troll pollsters by when he gets a robo poll like saying that he's like an elderly hispanic woman just because he knows that that will make his results get weighted up like so people i mean and look this is a guy who does research right <laughs> i'm not naming you if you're listening right. mr professor i'm not outing you you're safe <sighs> but i'm just saying like th- this is people do troll pollsters um but then the third factor is that social desirability bias. So we've got we've dealt with margin of error and we've dealt with you know people trolling pollsters. And then there's the question of are there people who do actually think it's acceptable to hold neo-Nazi views, but they don't take polls or they know that the wrong answer is to say yes, and so they say, well, oh, no, it's not really acceptable to hold neo-Nazi views, but like. Secretly, deep down inside, they right. Kind so, of, so, so, so it could be yeah. higher than nine percent, right? So, there's a lot going on with that nine percent.
1: And and so, I think you know, it, one thing to to look at the, those numbers is to you know, rather than I think I saw some outlets trying to pr, you know project that into a percent of the you know to, total population count. Rather than think of it that way, you know, I would think of those numbers as a reminder. We talked about this last week too. There are more people who are open minded to some of these views than. Perhaps a lot of us really have thought before the last couple of weeks or maybe before the twenty sixteen election. And whether that's nine percent or four percent or twelve percent or what have you, it's more than zero. It's more than just this you know very tiny element that the press or whomever enjoys, you know, throwing up as something for us all to kind of react to strongly. It's actually something that is, you know, is is a sizable amount. It's just that, to be sure, it's not an overwhelming percentage of the population, but it is probably more than a lot of people, I think, listening may have thought two years ago.
0: Now, there's the, in the whole Charlottesville conversation, there's the question of, the neo-Nazis, the white supremacists, the overwhelming uh, disapproval of Trump's reaction around those issues. And then there's the question of the Confederate statues. And as we sort of noted last week, the polling is very different on the question of uh, what to do about uh, statues honoring leaders of the Confederacy. And friend of the show, Arielle Edwards-Levy, has put together this great chart summarizing all of the different polls that have been asked in the last week.
1: So she does this. You guys this. should sign up for her newsletter. So Every time there's like a question, like a big question that everybody takes a stab at, all the outlets take a stab at, she puts together a table comparing all the different question wordings and the responses, which is, you know, is something you'd want to do but wouldn't have time for. And so she does it for you. And so she did it for this. And it's super helpful to look at where, because you can look at something and you're like, oh, a majority, you know, don't want to. Move, you know, they support the statues, but actually it can be quite varied depending on the question wording.
0: So in this uh, chart, you know, we talked a little bit about last week's, the the Marist poll that talked about it as, uh, do you think statues honoring leaders of the Confederacy should remain as a historical symbol or be removed because they're offensive to some people? Marja, you took issue with the some people wording right. a little bit. And this one also, it sort of gives the The positive reason, you know, it's like kind of almost, I don't want to say a message test, but it's kind of like verging toward it in that it's not just saying do you support or oppose, but it's saying remain as a a historical symbol, right? It's giving part of the argument for why you would. Um, And that one found 62 to 27, keep the monuments. That was the most favorable result to the monuments um, Reuters Ipsos, uh, just said, which comes closest to your opinion that Confederate monuments should be removed from all public spaces versus Confederate monuments should remain in all public spaces. Now I don't love this because there aren't in all public spaces. I mean, there aren't Confederate monuments in all public spaces, but right. Anyhow, but that, I'm, that's, maybe, and a museum is a public space as well. Right. And as we will see later on, when you actually frame it as what if we were moving them from public places of honor in from like parks into museums? People are actually m- much more favorable to that. Um, when you just ask a straight up, should they be remain standing or be taken down? This is Morning Consult Politico. 52 to 26 say keep them up. YouGov, do you gov do favor or oppose removing Confederate monuments. 51% say uh, oppose removing. 31% say favor removing uh, Quinnipiac find, so, you kind of find similar results, about 50 ish percent. If, if it's like
1: a neutral question. And by the way, the Mass Inc. polling did a poll in Virginia, which I don't think is in this list, of just Virginia voters. And it found actually very similar responses. Like, I've had a very similar, like, you know, bare majority support, you know, keeping the monuments where they are.
0: So there was a big debate then last week and through the earlier part of this week about just the the political, like, let's set aside the, the questions of right and wrong and just the political strategy around the Charlottesville discussion, that the conversation of Trump is giving aid and comfort to neo-Nazis and white supremacists is much more accepted than Trump is defending these Confederate monuments and that is bad because in many of these questions, you got half of the people that would agree with keeping those monuments up. So it is not as, you know, I guess if you, if you're talking about, does this something that will activate the democratic base quite possibly, but is it something that like a lot of swing voters are like, wow, that's the thing that makes me not like Trump. I'm skeptical of that. Right. But
1: here's, I mean, moving on to sort of the, the next topic, which is the fallout from all of this. So the fallout is, Trump's obviously got, you know, riled up about all of this Mm -hmm. and all of the attacks and, you know, people leaving Mar-a-Lago and, you know, the business councils all disbanding. I mean, all all these things have now, you know, provoked him and then he had a pretty, you know, unhinged rally the other night. That I thankfully decided I would prefer to listen to an hour and a half of my child screaming instead of <laughs> instead of watching the, the rally. I was like, you know what, this is this is going to be more um, more soothing than watching that Trump rally. And I think I made the right decision. So, um, it, you know, there. And what's interesting is it's not just, like, one person's opinion. This is clearly where the news is going. You've had, you know, Mitch McConnell. There's a reason we talked about it at the top of the show in the news because he's been talking about – you know, there's been some reports about uh, how he's been talking about the presidency, presidency and what Trump's future may be. You have a lot of Republicans kind of tiptoeing toward, like, I don't know if Trump's really able to handle all of this. You have uh, several polls that we'll talk about now asking questions that really are unbelievable to ask about a president six months in. Is he reckless? Is he level-headed? Is he going to you know, be reelected? Is he going to make it to the end of his term? I mean, the polls are reflecting where the news is, and the news is wondering— is he okay?
0: So one of these is from Morning Consult and Politico, and they go through and ask a series of, is he blank, yes or no? Uh, so my theory last week was that Trump's like core supporters that would never leave him was around 25%. This has about 30% consistently giving the like thumbs up on Trump, on questions of, is he moral? Is he trustworthy? Is he stable? Is he reckless? On these questions, you have about 30% taking the side that like, Trump's fine. Everything's fine. He's not reckless. He's stable. Um, While you have about 55 to 58-ish percent saying, no, he is reckless. No, he is not stable, like taking the the bad side of things. So this is, it's slightly higher than my 25% target, but not by, not by too much.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty unbelievable that we have multiple outlets asking these kinds of things. I mean, PX then has, you know, would you say that Trump is level-headed or not? And right now, 29% say yes, 68% say no, and then among Republicans, you know, 63%, so fewer than two-thirds of Republicans say, yes, he's level-headed. I mean, that's not like a major vote of confidence. I mean, that's, you know, you have a third of Republicans who say, no, he's not level-headed. And these numbers have, I mean, they bounce around a little bit, but they have, in in the aggregate, worsened since his election, where he was at 38% said, yes, he's level-headed. 57% say, no. Even then, a majority said he was not level-headed. It's worse now.
0: Well, and this sort of leads nicely into our, discuss- our conversation around this poll that Fabrizio, Tony Fabrizio, uh, who we had the opportunity to interview at Harvard's Institute of Politics last He was last lovely call. and very if generous If you are a time. new listener who has not gone back through our back catalog to listen to anything, I, mean, I would highly recommend go listen to our interview with him and Joel Benison. It's like my favorite, yeah. one of my favorite episodes we've done. Um, but so he posted like some some photos of... Uh, cross tabs um, from a survey that he did of GOP or GOP leaning voters nationally. And It's it's interesting. It's this is in some ways kind of a Rorsach test. Some people look at these numbers that Tony posted and think this is good news for Trump. He's holding on to his base. He's still widely beloved in the Republican Party. And other people look at it and go, well, he is having some attrition. And if you're an incumbent president, you should be doing better within your own party. So the numbers look like, first of all, uh, fave unfave. Donald Trump's favorables uh, have fallen from 78 percent favorable in June to 71 percent favorable now. Still, you know, seventy one percent favorables not bad numbers, but not great. It's
1: all dropped from the strong fave from and intensity. Yeah,
0: and it's all come out of intensity. Uh, His numbers are lower than for Mike Pence, um, but his numbers are much better than what you find for Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan, that Mitch McConnell's numbers have fallen by nine points since June, down to only 27 percent favorable, that Paul Ryan's numbers still above water have fallen four points since June. Um, So I assume that a lot of this is fallout from Trump care going down in the Senate. Um, But the, the story here is that Republican voters do not love Republican leaders and that so has increasingly included Donald Trump although again 71% is not terrible. Um another interesting thing that he posted just as a, a side note was fave unfaves of different news sources. Uh, Breitbart news viewed st- is strongly favorable with only 6% of GOP voters. Breitbart is net
1: unfavorable among net Republicans. Net unfavorable 21 to 28. And you know
0: why I think that is? Cuz it has the word news. <sighs> <laughs> it says Breitbart News. But by the way, and so if a you majority... don't know what it is and you just hear news, you're like, man, that's the media,
1: right? And a majority of Republicans have no opinion or have never heard of Breitbart News. Just to some context, but it is the most yes, popular <laughs> news outlet aside from Fox. With all these, you know, Fox is not that favorable, but it's Breitbart is more favorable than these other outlets. Its numbers
0: are are better than the New York Times, uh, better than MSNBC, better than CNN. CNN actually has higher unfavorables than MSNBC. Like the president's sustained war with CNN. Has has shown up to where if I was placing the networks on an ideological spectrum, I would traditionally put MSNBC further to the left than CNN. But A, that may not actually be the case these days. And B, the president sure doesn't think so. It's incredible because that's where you have a whole stable of Trump supporters, you know. Well, but not anymore. Not Jeffrey Lord anymore. Kaylee McEnany is now doing her thing, but like yeah. officially. Uh, so anyhow, I, I digress. But then I think the most interesting question Oh, and, and by the way, so in addition to this Breitbart news thing, it seemed as though maybe I'm reading too much into this and being a drama queen, but it seemed like Fabrizio was throwing a little shade at Steve Bannon about the like, yeah, <laughs> GOP voters don't care about Steve Bannon going away, guys. Yeah. So, so recently, Steve Bannon was fired from the Trump administration. How does that impact your opinion of President Trump? For, 29% say more favorable. Six percent say less favorable. Remember, six percent was also just Republicans. Just Republicans. Six percent was also the strongly favorable to Breitbart. So Tony's poll has two different data points suggesting that, like the the Bannonite cult within the party, is about six percent. Six percent of Republicans. So that's, of Republicans. Yeah.
1: But, you know, so we don't need to all, like, so hide I, under our desks. I enjoyed f- enjoy f- that little, yeah. like,
0: bit of shade. But uh, <laughs> la- the, the last thing that I want to talk about from this, which was another, like, Rorschach test thing, is they did a primary ballot. Um, if the Republican primary pr- for president was held today, which one of the potential candidates would you most be likely to vote for? Trump, Cruz, Kasich, Sass, and Cotton. And definite GOP primary voters, that's the the – Cross tab that is the most favorable to Trump, has him at 54 percent, Cruz at 13, Kasich at 10, Sass at one, Cotton at one. Definitely Trump is almost half at 49 percent. And this is one of those Fabrizio says like these are good numbers. This is Trump's party has not walked away from him. And Neil Newhouse sort of tweeted in support of that notion that because this is a 49 percent definitely Trump, the odds that someone's going to knock him off in a primary just don't look good or plausible at this point. On the other hand, Adrian Gray, uh who I've done a lot of work with in the past, he sort of tweeted this going, "Man, if you are an incumbent president and in your own party, you can't get to ha- half." definitely would vote for you if the primary was held today.
1: And t- Tim Miller did the same. Tim Miller, like, former Jeb Bush person. Like, yeah. break out the champagne. You know, the incumbent president said 50% with the Republicans. Yeah,
0: if you've got, you know, tw- one in five who say they're undecided and another quarter who are picking from the, like, Cruz Kasich, Sass, Cotton crew, that's not good. So, you know…
1: Didn't to- did your partner, didn't Patrick tweet out, like, if there's a, like, if there are four candidates challenging Trump in the primary, then we're dumber than we were in 2016. Am
0: I, am I, <laughs> I think I'm I didn't that. see it, but I'm positive he tweeted that. That's, <laughs> I'm certain that he did.
1: Uh, um, I, th- I think I'm paraphrasing that correctly. I mean, it, so then this leads to, like, another kind of side question that we can all think about, which is, why do you choose to release a poll number ever, right? So some people don't want to release poll Poll numbers. Some people are overly cautious. Some people are more likely to release poll numbers. I don't think Fabrizio is like a over releaser. Like I don't see a lot of public Fabrizio polling. I don't think his default is release the way maybe others are. Um, but you know, I could be wrong. Um The reason that pollsters typically release is because it's challenges the conventional wisdom. You want to change the conventional wisdom in some way. If the conventional wisdom is you're down or you're so up that people think that you're, you know, they don't need to worry about you and you need a Alert people that your race, you're in trouble because you need more support, or you want to alert people that hey, we, you know, we are comfortable. Don't worry about us. You release a poll to challenge that assumption, and so the fact that they're releasing this is to demonstrate you think that Trump is vulnerable. These polls show that he's not. I, I don't know if these poll numbers are better than the conventional wisdom because I don't think the conventional wisdom was like Trump is going to get clobbered in a primary as of right now. I don't. Th- I mean, I think that's would be a misreading of what the normal you know public polling is about where republicans are but still so so I don't know about that, about that but the numbers are not great but they are they do show obvious strength but you should have strength at this point in your presidency you know we looked back at huffington post they helpfully allow you to create your own Trend line chart. So we looked at where Republicans are, and this is approval rating, not the head to head. We also looked at independents just to see. And the Republicans. So this is goes back to this question that people constantly ask: like, well, when are Republicans going to turn on Trump? Like, like this thing came out this morning. Surely all Republican voters are going to now just like you know fall off a cliff and nope, and it's just going to change everything nope. like in five seconds. Like that's that's how these things nope. work, <laughs> and it's not how these things work. So among. Uh, Republicans, Trump is at 78 and change approval, 15 and change disapproval, right? So that's mostly approve. It's not overwhelming. Again, you know, it's not like the best number. But I, I think if you make this trend line yourself, you'll see it, it's, dec- I mean, it's worsening. It's just not worsening at of whatever this clip is people imagine that they w- are ho- hope or want to see or think they'll see, where it's just like all of a sudden – everything changes on the you know drop of a dime um but it is there is a drop i mean republicans are I'm turning from him but just a little bit
0: yeah some republicans yeah. a small number of republicans are walking away but the vast majority have not i think is the story right so speaking of other things that s- people are like Oh, this, you know, things that people, the conventional wisdom says one thing and then a poll says another. Let's talk for a second about Kid Rock. So we on this show a few weeks ago talked about a poll that swept the internet from a new and sort of unknown polling firm, Delphi Analytica. Uh, nobody had ever really heard of this firm before. They had very little digital footprint. And Harry Enton from 538 did some sleuthing. Um, this poll got, I think, retweeted by Kid Rock himself. I mean, this was like a huge, it showed Kid Rock and, Greg At- and the
1: governor of Texas.
0: Oh, really? Yes. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> so, Harry wanted to figure out, you know, and we talked during that episode about the pluses and minuses of paying attention to new pollsters, that sometimes you can have a, a literal hashtag fake news poll. Um, on the other hand, just because a pollster is new and you've never heard of them doesn't mean that they're bad or not credible. So what Harry did was he tried to figure out who these people were, and he has written up a story at 538 that you have got to take time to go read. It is fascinating. He tries to track down anybody with a connection to Delphi Analytica. Like he, imagine, like, a
1: David Fahrenthold polling story, and that's, yeah, like, he, what this is. Yeah, like, you know,
0: he tries – first he's talking to somebody – uh, at this firm via email, but they won't give him any information about what their job title is. And then that person disappears and there's a new email address, but it's like coming from an alias and it's the, it's just like very creepy. And it turns out that it, it's basically that it seems very likely that Delphi Analytica was basically created to do cheap Google consumer survey work. Um, because he sort of tracks down like the, the issue categories and the demographics and all of the signatures that would make this seem like a Google consumer poll. And that it's been fielded, but then like messed with and merged with other data with the purpose of moving the betting markets so that people who like play the, you know, prediction markets can place a bet that, uh, I'm going to bet on... Kid Rock. And then I'm going to release a poll that says Kid Rock is going to win this race. And then shares of Kid Rock go up on this market and then I can sell. And so, I mean, it's crazy. You have to go read this this piece. But it is, it is a big buyer beware warning to anyone who follows polling that Nowadays, the incentives to put out a fake poll are not just to boost your candidate, but to mess with prediction markets, to troll the media. I mean, there are tons of reasons why people might just cook up a fake poll. So especially, buyer beware.
1: especially given how easy it is to do, I mean, APOR has a transparency initiative. They have these, you know, standards in terms of what they consider a real poll in terms of the amount of disclosure that's required. It's more disclosure than a lot of outlets want to do sometimes, um, for a variety of reasons, even outlets that are not fake polls, but it is a way of, you know, no fake poll could ever meet the transparency initiative requirements. That's for sure. Um, and the other thing is we interviewed John Aristotle from one of the prediction markets. I remember we asked a question, like, do people ever do any, like, insider trading? Do you ever have any, like, campaigns who know what's going to happen who, you know, try to, you know, use that info on the markets? And um, so folks should go back and take a listen to that because it is quite a fascinating uh, fascinating thing. And kudos to Harry Enton. What an incredible detailed story. It goes in a lot of different directions. It's, yeah, it's great. It's
0: great. So then now that it's back to school time, um, college is starting up for many. And we know that colleges nowadays are sort of a political flashpoint. They are at the heart of a lot of these free speech debates and uh, a lot of interesting stuff happening on campuses. And this has shifted some of the polling numbers we see around approval and disapproval of Colleges and universities. So Gallup has some fresh data out asking, uh, first of all, tell me how much confidence you yourself have in colleges and universities. A great deal, quite a lot, some are very little. Finding that only a third of Republicans have a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in colleges and universities. Uh, and from this, you know, what's really good is that Gallup follows up with a question about why. We had seen other data along these lines, I think, a few weeks ago, but. You know, do people not like colleges because they think they're too expensive, because they think they're too liberal? Like, what's the answer? Gallup finds it for Republicans. It has a lot to do with the politics, uh, that the top reason why Republicans say they do not have confidence in colleges and universities is that they're too liberal or political or that they don't allow students to think for themselves and push their own agenda. Meanwhile, for Democrats... Whoever, Even the
1: third one is probably comparable, too, as part of that bucket. Students
0: not properly educated, they're being taught stuff that's not relevant. And you could say that has to do with, are you not teaching kids things they'll need for the career and workforce, which is a little... That's not necessarily It's not necessarily, but it, it, it could be. It's adjacent. And But for Democrats, know. the number one beef they have is that college is too expensive. 36% who say they don't have confidence in colleges, it's all about the price. And that's the fourth... Fourth thing for Republicans. Yeah. Um, And the second place answer is that poor leadership, too much corporate interest or bad policies within colleges for Democrats. But then why do you like colleges? There's more consensus on this. The top answer for both Republicans and Democrats was that they had a good personal experience with a college. They had graduated or had a family member that was enrolled and they thought they were doing a good job.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's that, that headline of Republicans not having confidence in college is, is, I mean, that made some news. I mean, that was pretty striking. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's
0: for the reasons you think it's not because they think it's too expensive. It's that they think it's out of step with their values.
1: Yeah. And I, and I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a heavy lift operationally to turn that around. I mean, it's not simply just like speeches there's more mm-hmm. to the, you know speeches you can have some kind of way to get around that but if it's not you know if it's more than speeches then what do you do i don't know that's pretty that's a that's a big challenge um and then there's some other back to school kinds of polls and we'll link to some of that in the show notes um morning consult and politico showed parental stress over going back to school depended on the grade level of their student and back to school shopping that people with younger kids were more excited about back to school shopping and people with older kids were more stressed out I guess because the older kids are like I don't want that and their stuff is more expensive and there's like all this like push and pull while the little kids... Just wear what you give them and, you know, don't have quite as many demands. But back to school shopping. Man, it is it is stressful. It is stressful. Beckett is going back is going to school. I was oh. pregnant when we started the show and now he is going to preschool it is like really is I think going to be harder for me than for him. He, I could give him away to a stranger on the street. He'd be totally fine. I think, like, but I think like he's. I don't think he's going to have a hard time adjusting the school at all. But like, he's like, that's it. That's the end of the baby years. That's the Aww. end. I know. I know. So, um. But I don't know if shopping for him is either exciting or stressful.
0: Well, and last but not, one way that people deal with stress is wine. Yes. Uh, so last but not least, this is the part of the show where we do some poll that someone has pitched us or that we've seen that we have not vetted at all. So buyer beware, but that we think is funny. Uh, as I mentioned, Red Wine Day, August 28th, um, a national dot com poll of 2000 Americans. Again, we don't vet the polls at the end of the show. We're just very upfront about it. Say 80 percent of Americans say they love wine. That's much higher than the Gallup gallop thing
1: we did a couple weeks ago like wine is your number one choice it was not an 80 percent
0: here's what's weird then they say 12 percent like it so much that they finished an entire bottle by themselves okay fine and then they say eight percent say it's their alcoholic beverage of choice now that is really low right that's like really 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 low compared to what that gallop number showed right why would you advertise that if you're the wine industry this must have been like a typo in the release or something. I don't know. But then they say one in five love a good cheese pairing. Fifteen percent enjoy pairing wine with cheese. Um, the uh, but I think the main uh, finding from this survey was they wanted to find out what do people like more. Uh, Red wine or white wine. And they find that it is red wine beating white wine. 20% say that they like red wine. 18% say white wine. Again, that is within margin of error.
1: And rosé was not in there. Rosé
0: was like 11%. Dessert wine, 11%. Sparkling, 13%. (sighs) Um, How how is rosé tied with
1: dessert wine?
0: And also, this is... I mean, this is clearly coming from... It is National Red Wine Day. And yet... It's saying, oh, red wine beats white wine, but, like, 20 to 18 is kind of (laughs) lame. That's not really a big finding. Oh, well, whatever.
1: The wine folks, you obviously need to hire Kristen and Margie to do your polling next time, but it it doesn't matter. It's Apparently, they also have
0: polling on National Beach Day and National Coconut Day. How did we possibly miss those?
1: All right. Uh, That sounds like a darn good day. I hope all those days are on the same day. I Um, those days. So... When I was in England this summer, they called Rosé. The Rosé craze had also made it there, and they called it Lady Petrol. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Which I thought was a fantastic name for it.
0: All right, Margie, what did we learn this week? Okay,
1: so we learned, I don't know. Oh, okay, Where did we learn? We learned McConnell, Mitch McConnell isn't here to make friends, which is kind of a good thing. Trump is known for his bass plays, but it's not so clear, the base was responding well. Back to school is stressful, so it's a good thing we all
0: have wine. You can find us on Twitter at@, at the Polsters individually at@, at Margiomero and at Case Anderson. Find us on Facebook or you can find us at www.thepolsters.com. Make sure you like us, subscribe, leave us some reviews. We love hearing from you, and we will talk to you
1: next week. Bye.